0: This 40-something woman possessed a Ph.D. in physics, but by her 30th birthday had made a decision, a career decision for investment banking. She had opted for the money thing instead of the science thing, and she had made a lot. But over the last couple of months, she was feeling dry as dust about her life. Yeah, she had... Succeeded way beyond her initial goals, but but that somehow didn't satisfy a growing inner hunger or desire. Well, she didn't really know how to describe what she was feeling, maybe a kind of emptiness, I guess. Recently, she had awakened in the morning with that question looming in her consciousness, and it wouldn't let go. She said it kind of boomed in her inner being. Who the hell am I? She couldn't shake it. That's why she wanted some conversation. She actually didn't know where else to bring her question. I learned that as a child, her parents practiced a kind of lukewarm religion for a couple of years, that never really stuck or meant anything. Eventually, she became a scientist. And then, a practical, no-nonsense achiever, believing that was the route to a life worth living. I said that she must feel very much at home in New York City since that kind of mindset predominates here, a great attractor of overachievers. We've talked about that from time to time here. Well, she snorted at that comment and said that that didn't give her much comfort. The truth was she didn't really have a lot of respect, all that much respect, for a lot of the people she had worked with over the years. Initially, the ones she found most intriguing and most helpful were those who had mastered certain traits like dogged determination and. Focused attention on tangible outcomes and a well organized, disciplined life targeted for success. Success, after all, was the coin of the realm. Everyone wanted it, didn't they? Don't you, Steve? And she said that sort of, hmm, her tone was kind of competitive and confrontational. Sure, I said. Nothing wrong with success as far as it goes. I'm all for it. But here you are, hounded by sleepless nights, so I guess it doesn't go as far as you thought it might. And anyway, this conversation isn't some kind of competition, it's just two people having talk, thinking aloud about things that matter most of all, right? In his latest book, The Second Mountain, David Brooks reports that after having achieved far more professional success than I ever expected to, his life came unglued. His marriage fell apart and he awoke to the realization that he had lost sight of himself becoming, quote, aloof, invulnerable and uncommunicative sidestepping responsibilities of relationship. 2013 is the year it came crashing in on him. Brooks didn't frame it this way, but he might just as well have said that he awoke one morning and thought, who the hell am I? Then falling into the valley of despond, in his words, unplanted, lonely, humiliated, scattered. He spent the next five years thinking and reading about how to give your life meaning after worldly success has failed to fulfill. The book emerges from this search. Brooks recounts that he's a product of his time, our time. A time idolizing narcissistic hyper-individualism, where people are disconnected from one another, living fragmented lives in the pursuit of self-actualized achievement of one sort or another. That's the grand cultural expectation in which we're swimming. We're each on our own making a lonely journey devoid of an overarching moral framework binding us together in some common sensibility common cause and purpose but hidden within this formulation lies a two-edged sword slicing up both those who do achieve some measure of success as well as those who secretly believe they're losers because they haven't achieved enough and sometimes that's one and the same person That's because success, however it's defined, is a false god for a life's ultimate purpose. And sometimes that false floor falls away, like it did for Brooks and my new friend, leaving them lost, ungrounded, floating, unmoored. Organizing frameworks based in rich and thick relationships don't matter as much in these days. You know, the frameworks that used to stimulate our meaning-making, things like family and community, religious faith and belonging, things that weave a moral structure with dense layering of relationships. Nope, we're all on our own, baby and what have you got to show for yourself? Brooks writes, in a hyper-individualistic society people are not measured by how they conform to a shared moral code they are not measured by how fully they have submerged themselves in thick relationships they are measured by what they have individually achieved. Status, admiration, and being loved follow personal achievement. Selfishness is accepted because taking care of and promoting the self is the prime mission. Researchers at Harvard Graduate School of Education recently asked 10,000 middle and high school students if their parents cared more about personal achievements or whether they were kind. What do you think the results were? Any idea? 80% said their parents cared more about achievements. Individual success over relational bonds. You might think how you would answer the question. But this reminds me of another conversation I had a number of years ago with a young man preparing for college. He asked me if he thought he was he asked me if I thought he was foolish for not taking advantage of the opportunity to cheat on the SAT. He said the proctor was very encouraging of students to take more time than officially allotted to be sure they had done all they could on each of the sections. Go ahead, help each other out, the proctor said. Now, the majority, maybe most, most everyone, availed themselves of the proctor's offer. But this guy stuck with the formal time restraints and was now wondering if that was really, really stupid given the cutthroat competition of the college process. Now, on a very baseline level, he was asking me whether a so-called success was more important than integrity rooted in a shared moral framework. At the time, I was impressed he was questioning this at all because the current cultural climate is so heavily freighted on the side of success at all costs. You know, do whatever you need to do to get ahead for God's sake! And now, some years after that conversation, get this, We have the specter of parents investing hundreds of thousands of dollars to fraudulently misrepresent their children's college applications to get them into prestigious schools. You've seen all of those news reports, right? I think that is a spectacular snapshot defining our current cultural moment. Oh my, a picture is worth a thousand words. It's just fraught with betrayal every which way you turn in that matrix. Earlier, you heard Paul urge his protege, Timothy, to pursue righteousness, godliness, faith love, endurance, and gentleness. And man, does that ever sound retrograde in our current moment. But it is the true antidote to our malaise. Fight the good fight of faith, he wrote. Take hold of the eternal life. Tell the people who are rich and successful to let their hopes on God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. All are to do good, rich in good works, generous and ready to share, thus storing up for themselves the treasure of a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of the life that really is life. Taking hold of life that really is life. It occurs to me that could be the motto of Christ Church. That's the business we're in helping, encouraging, prodding everyone to take hold of real life. The real thing. The real thing. Though she didn't have words for it at the time, that's why my new friend came to speak with me when she had a crisis of identity and purpose. And that's what David Brooks sensed when the bottom fell out of his life, that had been so successful up to the moment of crisis when the floor fell away and he realized that nothing truly meaningful was under his feet after all. That's where a place like this comes in we keep our focus on the things that matter most. Jesus distilled this down into a single sentence with two phrases, since we're so dense. Luckily, Christ's church has made his wisdom our mission, loving God above all things, loving our neighbors as ourselves. That's how (laughs) we take hold of life that really is. That's it. Let us pray.